0: Welcome to the Homegrown Podcast, the place where we share the truth about food and farming from our kitchen to yours. I'm your host, Liz Hazelmeyer, along with my husband, Joey. Good afternoon. And together we hope to inspire, educate, and equip you in your pursuit of true nourishment. Today we are sitting down with Alyssa of Better Basics Milling. We are super excited to hear her unique journey with food and how that led her to start her very own stone ground flour mill. Alyssa is an entrepreneur, a real food enthusiast, a mother to five kids, and so much more as we will hear today. So Alyssa, welcome to the show. Hey guys, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited
1: too. Also our first Canadian.
0: Our first Canadian. I should have put that in the intro. <laughs> Hello from the great white north.
1: <laughs> we love to hear. In, Hey, it's beautiful reality,
2: and sunny here.
1: Always.
0: <laughs> oh, Cloudy and stormy here. We're probably only just a car drive away, right? I don't know ex- yeah. exactly where you are in Canada. Yeah, Alberta. Uh, um, I'd have to pull. <laughs>
1: Anyways, is it drivable? I don't know, but I love Canada, and um,
0: I've I, never been. I really would like to go.
1: It's fantastic.
0: I've heard it's beautiful.
1: It is. It is fantastic. Anyways, Lisa, thank you so much for being here, and uh, let's. Gosh, I mean, even that intro, all the stuff you've got going on. I cannot wait to get into this. Anytime I bring a a fellow entrepreneur on, I always get super excited. I'm going to restrain that though. And let's just, let's start at the beginning. Take me back uh, to, to where it all started for Alyssa.
2: Okay. Well, I was um, born in New Brunswick, which is on the East coast in Canada. Um, And I grew up in a small village, actually, not even a town, (laughs) There's about (laughs) 1,200 people. Um, The span is about nine square miles. Very small. Yeah. And um, lovely, though. Honestly, like there's, it's beautiful with trees and so many lakes. And uh, we spent our summer at our camp with like a cottage, but, you know, no, no power, just generator and... No hot water and stuff like that, and it was really nice. It was a really nice upbringing, actually. Did and you do a lot uh, of fishing,
1: lakes and stuff. Fishing, yeah, Atlantic?
2: lots, lots of fishing, lots of mosquitoes, oh, mm. <laughs> lots of black flies, lots of horse flies. Mm. <laughs> so thick skin. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah.
1: So what about school?
2: So school. Um, in in our village so where i was from is called McAdam, um, new brunswick if you want to look it up it is right on the border of maine oh. so we would you know drive across the border to get gas and milk and all that stuff just because it was cheaper no and yeah and the lake that we actually um grew up on or we had our cabin on was only 10 minutes from our house and half of the lake uh, was US and the other mm-hmm. side was Canadian where we were so you know you could you know prior to 9-11 you could literally go back and forth across mm. the border across the lake and uh, so it was really cool it was it was great and so growing up um, in a small town like that uh, the schools are very small um, we had some American students that went to our school and just you know like my graduating class was maybe 17 kids
0: Like, the whole grade. (laughs) No way. And it was a public school? Just a really tiny public school? Yeah, very small. Interesting. Yeah. Did you enjoy... Very tiny public school. Yes. Did you enjoy the fact that it was so small?
2: (laughs) I mean, growing up, no. But that's really all I knew, you know. So, you knew everybody. um, You knew everybody's parents. You knew everybody's business. Mm. So, we just spent most of our time... um, Like I spent most of my time in high school playing sports, um, like every, every season had a different sport, you know, it was soccer. Then, you know, all winter was, we played basketball and then volleyball and then track and field in the spring. Same thing every year, but we were, you know, those small, those small towns are very competitive in their sports. So that's, Mm -hmm. we just lived and breathed that. And that was pretty much my entertainment.
0: Wow. Did you have any siblings?
2: Yeah, I have an older sister who is 16 months older than me, Ashley, and then um, a brother who is six years younger than me, and his name's Alex, so... Ashley, Alyssa, and Alex.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness! All the A's. That's yeah. hilarious. I wonder all how many times your mom said the wrong name. Alex, Ashley, Ash- whoever. I mean, I so say that times. all the time. I'm like Ruthie Red, oh, whatever.
2: Yeah, one of you guys.
0: <laughs> one of you guys just seriously get in here, all the time.
1: So you're, you're you're fishing, you're hunting, you're you're going yeah. to school at a small town school. You're getting after it with sports. No hockey, I heard in there, which is I was wondering if there was uh, going to be. Yeah, hockey which is play.
2: surprising. Just. Yeah, no, just too small of a ta- village, um, I would say town, but just too small of a, you know, a center for hockey. But, you know, in the bigger centers like Fredericton and stuff, hockey was really big. Mm. But for us, no. Basketball was like what we lived and breathed mm. in McAdam. Yeah.
1: So you would spend your time playing sports, but, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, like hunting and fishing mm-hmm. and, and you know, so you're, you're not in, in sports and you're you're at home and you're killing some time, you know. What's the hobbies you're picking up at this at this point? This is like early to high school.
2: Yeah. Um, well, just a lot of like chasing boys and hanging with friends, to be honest with you. <laughs> 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 if I was to be honest with you, that's pretty much what my... If I wasn't playing sports, which was 90% of the time, I was just, you know, doing the friend thing. And mm-hmm. also, um, I spent a lot of time at the school. Um, I ran the athletic committee at the school. So any games, you know, mm. basketball games or volleyball games, like I was working the clock or organizing people or, you know, being part of that. So very, very involved in the school, which was nice because it was such a small, it was like my second home, really.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, would you identify yeah. when you were going through school as like a good student? Like were you getting good grades? Were you excited yeah, to be I was there?
2: like an, well... <laughs> I would say excitement, like, wasn't necessarily my, um, I wasn't that excited to be at school. I mean, I was like an 80s student. Mm. Um, it was more the social aspect and the sports that drove me to, to be there. But, you know, I, that being said, you know, in a small town, you know, your, my parents' friends were my teacher's. So mm-hmm. I knew everybody and they knew me. So it's like there was an obligation there to to perform. Um and then my dad was my basketball coach all through high school. So it was just that's what we lived and breathed.
1: Mm. That accountability of knowing kind of so and so knows so and so who knows my dad. I better not, you know, slack off and y- yeah, yes. Totally and
2: my that. mom my mom used to say to me I have eyes everywhere. So whatever you're thinking about doing, don't do it because I can see you. And it was a little creepy, but it was true. And I say that to my kids now. I have eyes everywhere.
1: Were your parents working? I have
2: eyes everywhere. Yep. My dad um, has ran a logging company for like 30 years. Oh my gosh. Um, Yeah. So if if you want to know anything about the woods, (laughs) that's your man. Anything about... Yeah, he is your guy. And he... Loves it. I mean, he should be retired now. He's, like, approaching 70, and he's just like, no, I'm good. Like, why would I retire from something that I'm going to go do anyway? Like, he just drives around the woods and marks off woodlots and, mm. you know, cut lots or whatever. And, yeah, and then my mom was um, a TA for years in the school system, so.
0: In your very school, so she was there too?
2: Um, She was there when my brother was coming up through school, but she worked in um, a neighboring community – um, when I was growing up, or oh, like okay. when I was going through school. But, mm-hmm. but she had yeah. eyes. <laughs> oh, she, she, everywhere. Don't forget it. it. <laughs>
1: so you had two siblings. Two siblings, your mom and dad, they two both siblings. worked. I mean, logging, that's, that's yeah. awesome. And then teachers, assistant. And so what, what did family dinners look like growing up?
2: Yeah. So family dinners were, there was always a meal. Um, my mom was really good about that. And of course, like my dad working long hours, like he did, that was kind of something that he always looked forward to. So five o'clock rolled around, there was dinner on the table. Mm. Um, growing up into like probably about middle school is when we stopped kind of having that sit down family experience. Um, Just because of being busy and Mm. running the roads and, you know, it's like six o'clock and you got to rip out for practice somewhere, right? Mm. Or a game or whatever. But mom was, she always made like a meat, a carb and a canned vegetable of some sort. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, that was kind of a staple. We actually were just talking about this and how, you know, she's like, she said, she's like, that was a time when everything of convenience was being pushed, you know, mm. and, and it, and it was, it was, she's like, I'd go to the grocery store and be like, well, a hungry man meal, or I have to peel 8,000 potatoes, you know, for all these kids and right. so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So, but she did, she was really good about always making a meal. And I mean, we weren't, we didn't grow up with a ton of money. So having, you know, even pre-packaged stuff was a luxury. And honestly, <laughs> for me, I'm like, Ooh, something that's not no name <laughs> fun. <laughs>
1: You know what's so funny? Even hearing you say that. For me, growing up, it was the same way. I wanted the convenient items. Yeah. I I remember as a kid, if my mom and dad came home with the TV dinners, I was hyped because we never got them. This is exciting. We we never got them. I wanted them. We were eating the the protein, veggie, starch meal, and oftentimes it was wild game or it was um, you know chicken or beef or something that we we had purchased at the store, and then. You know, it, it could be mashed potatoes or rice, or um, we didn't do we didn't do a ton of bread growing up. If my mom did make bread, it was crazy. And then uh, and then a veg a vegetable we did do a lot, we did do a lot of frozen veggies.
0: Well, were they veggies that you grew in your garden and then froze?
1: Sometimes, but also a lot of the bags that you threw in the microwave. I'm not against frozen veggies. And, I think that's great. Anyways, um, I, I'm like you. Uh, the convenience mm. stuff was was exciting, and and we didn't get it very often.
0: Yeah, I'm the opposite, right? And I like the lean cuisines and uh no mm-mm, i had my share <laughs> i had my fair share <laughs> of that growing up and now i i like uh i'm all about that home to
1: so listen did you, did you have a favorite dinner when like this was coming out you knew it was happening and, and you were ready to throw down
0: yeah
2: <laughs> yeah yeah i always loved a good casserole um so mm. my mom would make like a really basic casserole which was like hamburger macaroni and tomato sauce <laughs> you know and some spices and onions and so on and so forth and but when that when that came out of the oven with the cheese on top it was like you know it was go oh, time yeah. for me that was my favorite because pretty much everything else she made on top of that was like cream and mushroom soup based and i was like kind of over that
0: <laughs> yeah you wanted some variety there uh, there's something about yeah the casserole era was a real thing i, I liken it now to like the instapot era mm. but there yeah. was a time where like moms were just like okay what can i throw in a nine by 13 dish and like call dinner? Yeah. and sometimes it <laughs> that's <worked>. me <laughs> yeah and sometimes you know i don't know i feel like you either had a bad connotation or it was like homely and comforting mm-hmm. and it sounds like for you oh, Elissa, yeah. it was very homely and comforting so any, any meals oh, yeah, that yeah.
1: your parents made that you make now for your family
2: Hamburger, macaroni, tomato casserole.
0: <laughs> oh, the same thing. Right
1: on. Right on. That's like yeah.
0: a hamburger helper version that we have here in the States. Obviously, it's like boxed, but like that's what I think of. Mm. You know, Kevin yeah. you just love hamburger helper. Yeah. Oh, right it's on.
2: so good. Yeah, it's so good. So I make that probably once every two weeks. We're actually yeah. having it tonight because me and my mom were just talking about it. And she's like, well, let's make that. That's so <laughs> she's funny. here visiting right now. So I was like, yeah. And she gets me, to please. enjoy it with you. Yes, it is. It's so funny that it's such a simple staple, and it's like, well, it's like spaghetti, but in a casserole form format, yeah, um, exactly. but tastes completely different. Mm-hmm.
1: Did you did you notice any differences growing up in Canada? I mean, you might not have been aware of it, but I'm assuming you're aware of it now. Wherein, like, grocery stores, are there are there any stark differences into what you can buy or what how grocery stores are set up in Canada versus the states?
2: Yeah. Well, yeah, cuz we travel, we have traveled quite a bit and I actually have a really good girlfriend who lives in Florida and she used to come spend summers with us and like winter breaks and stuff and she was like, "You have ketchup chips?" Like, what? What is that? <laughs> you know, or just like the most random stuff, but then when I travel um to the US, like the variety that you guys have um and <clears throat> like in the health food realm, just leaps and bounds from what we have here. Leaps and bounds. Oh, yeah.
1: So it's it's not like a European vibe where things are are cleaner and and less less, uh, manipulated. Okay.
2: No. It's the same. I think like across the board, Canada and the U.S. are kind of both – sketchy when it comes to you know fda regulations and stuff like that what we would like stuff that we wouldn't consume right that passes Uh through is what i mean by that compared to like europe um but just companies that have you know started new products um that are way cleaner you know especially when i was like going through like my keto phase and stuff like that um there were just so many more options in the u.s than there was here
0: Mm, that's interesting
1: how old were you when you went through this uh this keto phase
2: oh well that was probably in the i don't know 2010 no after that but there was a lot of phases prior to keto (laughs) you know there was going from high school i'd say high school grade 12 was when i started kind of feeling ooh, like i don't really feel that great Mm-hmm. You know my my stomach kind of hurts or I feel like, you know, what I would say call now inflamed, mm-hmm. um but then it was just like oh I'm bloated or I'm, you know, I feel kind of fuzzy my brain like I felt like I couldn't think in mm-hmm. in all honesty. And I remember going to the doctor and and talking to him about that and um and it was just kind of like, you know, there was nothing there. There was so I went on to university and I battled with my weight there, which I think a lot of people do because I'm living in, um, you know, residence or dorms Mm -hmm. there and, you know, eating that food and, you know, maybe like drinking too much or whatever, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but, you know, just living, um, as an 18, 19 year old and, um, and then then the, the weight gain, the fluctuation, and then the, you know, fixation of that started really setting in for me. And I would say that's probably when I started, like, taking things into my own hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where, you know, I would say <sighs> I maybe got a little too obsessed with what I was eating or mm-hmm. lack of. And like the eating dysmorphia really set in for me because at that point by, I'm trying to think back here, I left New Brunswick in 2007, I believe. And I moved to Calgary. And then by 2009 is when the kind of bloating and stuff really progressed into very painful gut inflammation. Um... And I went to a doctor, of course, and they, you know, blanket, blanket diagnosed me with IBS. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, well, you know, that's all new to me. So I will go and do some research on that. And, but after everything that I had come out with, nothing, nothing helped except for literally eliminating everything. So I went from you know being somebody who like i walk around at anywhere between 135 and 140 that's kind of where my natural body sits Mm -hmm. i went down to like 120 pounds Mm. and i remember like counting calories and watching every little thing i ate because when i didn't eat that's when i felt my best not only because i felt good in my skin but my stomach didn't hurt Cause there was yeah. nothing in there to, you know, so I'm eating like minimal things, um, boiled eggs and stuff like that and chicken and mustard and just, you know, and that was kind of like the whole, you know, fitness era too, where it was really like popular to do like fitness competitions and all that kind of stuff. Or the people that I was, my friends and stuff were doing that kind of thing. So it wasn't that abnormal to be so restrictive in right. my world. Um, yeah. And it made me feel good, my stomach. But obviously, I was not nourishing my body by any, you know, stretch at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that went on for years. And then about, I think it was in 2012, I met Wade. And Wade is my husband. And he, um, he was kind of on his own little, you know, fitness journey, I guess. And I've always worked out, but it was more like weightlifting and stuff like that. Whereas Wade is an extreme overachiever in everything he does. So he had done, um, I think when I had met him, he was, he had already finished one full marathon and he was training for his second. And, um, it was, it was incredible to watch him. So of course, like me and him start hanging out and we're dating and whatnot. And so I would, I started running with him because we get to spend that time together. And then, you know, marathons weren't enough anymore. So he was like, well, I'm going to do an Ironman. <laughs> and I was like, oh, are you now? <laughs> okay, cool. Well, that's, that's way out of my lake. I can run and keep my feet on the ground. But if we're talking like cycling and swimming, which I can clearly ride a bike and I can also, you know, swim. I grew up on a lake. Um, you know, I don't know about that. So anyway, I watched him complete his first Ironman. And that was something else. It was like sixteen hours or something ridiculous like that. And it was just like, What? You're a nut. But Do of they course eat? when you Do they, they eat in that time? Eat, yeah, they eat like um not like gels.
0: Oh, wow. You're poor yeah. body. 16 hours of hardcore working out you're fueling with like liquid fuel drinking do you oh yeah i mean do you even have time do you have a diaper (laughs) i don't these are the questions (laughs) i have i know well i think that you there's like kind of like
2: porta potties and stuff along the way and um there's also like little you know people like little stands where they'd have like soup and stuff like that that you could Mm -hmm. drink um yeah so he was really you know that was really motivating to watch And of course, as soon as he finishes, he's like, well, I need to do another one because I need a better time. (laughs) I'm like, you're nuts. Okay. Well, if you're going to do one, I'm going to do one. But I wasn't like, I wasn't going to commit to 16 hours. So I was like, I'll do a half marathon or a half Ironman. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So that was, that was really cool. And I trained for a year for that in 2000 to, and I did it in June, 2015, in um boulder colorado and i didn't take the elevation into consideration because i live in Mm. calgary you know but it was like i started running i was like like i literally can't breathe um but it was amazing it was a really cool experience and um there's nothing like getting into a lake or an ocean and taking off and there's about 300 other people swimming on top of you so you're just literally waiting to
0: drown um (laughs) So break it for those of us that don't know, what is the half Iron Man? Like how many miles running, swimming, biking, what does that look like? Um,
2: so it is I'm gonna I'm gonna have to Google it so I can remember. I'm trying to think. Um I'm it's a seventy point three, so seventy point three miles.
0: Um broken up I'm, between those three things.
2: Yeah, broken up. I'm trying to think
0: I'm trying how to think how long did it take it you?
2: So it was one, uh, 1.2 mile swim. It is a, um, 56 mile bike and a half marathon. So 13, um, mile run. So for my Canadian folks, (laughs) that is a, um, two kilometer swim, 90 kilometer bike ride and a 21 kilometer, um, run. Wow.
0: -hmm. All in one go. So Joey keeps looking at me. Sounds kind of awesome. No, he's so annoying. I relate to you so much right now, Alyssa, because listen, Joey. The other day, we my his siblings are moving two houses down from us. We're so excited. We love. Yeah, I saw that. They like they work out and they're awesome. So and we, we like both have home gyms, but Joey's like, hey, now that you guys are moving on the street, like let's all train for a half marathon. And I'm like, I hate running with you because you played college soccer and you can run yeah. forever. And so I'm just kind of in like I can maybe run three miles, but then like it hurts me a little bit. The other day, right. Joey just flat out ran a half marathon just through the neighborhood.
1: And then okay, like, Joey,
0: <laughs> this is why I don't want to run with you because it's annoying because you don't actually have to train. I would have to train for like a year or maybe yeah. six months to work. out. No, I don't even want you to hear a comment because it's like anything athletic. He's just like, oh, yeah, I can do that. Oh, I yeah. can figure that out. And I'm like over here struggling really trying hard okay now you can say something
1: i will say to all the people out there they're gonna think that i'm some meathead maniac i just have always had this thing where if i do something i'm i either get really into it, like obsessive yeah. and i go after it or i just don't do it at all and so um this is which those sounds things. like
0: wade honestly it sounds like yes. his mentality and that's why, very much you know you went and did a half iron man as you know
1: anyways what a what a tangent love that though the the, the <laughs> uh let's just all you know troll joey a little bit <laughs> take a moment of silence
0: for his quads i don't even know but it is interesting right because i think you make i'm just gonna connect these dots because there was definitely a time where like the big restriction it was kind of like for forever people were like food doesn't really impact your body and then all of a sudden it was like wow there are some foods that really impact your body and then it kind of went the other way and it was like we're just going to restrict everything that could ever potentially be a cause of inflammation and then it got acceptable and socially um normal to be really restrictive really gluten-free dairy-free soy-free all the freeze on top of that you know fat-free too um the fitness craze and we've had that conversation with other people too who kind of fell into that unique time period where it's like it it wasn't really I mean it was disordered eating but it was like normalized just it was normalized yeah totally yeah and it's like nowadays I don't even know where we fall because it's a different
1: kind of disorder
0: yeah it's sometimes it's like all food is fine sometimes it's still kind of hanging on to that but Um, your fitness journey definitely is a part of your food journey, so I'm glad you said that. For sure, I think often when you're in that competitive lane and you're like, "Hey, I want to do something," um, food is definitely always a piece of your fitness, but it, yeah. it kind of carries over into like, "Okay, well, how yeah. good can I eat today, or how how mm-hmm. great can I hit my macros, or whatever." So, yeah,
2: that's the interesting. Training for that Ironman. Like we did a few triathlons prior to that, or I had, and Wade had obviously done his, you know, Iron Man's and stuff. But leading up to mine, I could no longer restrict my body. Like I had to fuel this engine that was moving significantly every single day. Um and so but at that point, because I was clearly burning so many calories you know, my body like was melting off, (laughs) but my stomach still felt bloated. Mm. Um, so I was really trying to navigate what was, what was causing that. And, and I, nothing ever, nothing ever came to light for me at that point. Um, and then I got pregnant, uh, with Axel. He's my, he's six and that was a whole whirlwind. Um, you know, and I was still like, very active with him because I just got off you know having doing Mm -hmm. this Ironman and Mm -hmm. we had a really great pregnancy um but you know when he was born he was very small and he had this um like kind of almost sounded like he had like he need he needed to cough you know like Mm -hmm. he had like a frog in his throat like a rattle in his chest and nobody could figure out why He was small and he had this rattle and that never went away. Like he still has it to this day. And, you know, that took me down so many rabbit holes. And I guess maybe I should back up a little bit from that. um, Because prior to, you know, the year that I was doing my Ironman, my, one of my twin girls, she had an adverse reaction to one of her vaccines. Mm. And I know that's controversial, but I'll say it anyway. Um, and we didn't know what it was or what was going on. But she, one of her pupils dilated 24 mm. hours after having a set. And um, and one of her pupils dilated, not both. And so we, she was taken to um, the eye doctor. And they're like, this is bad. Like, she's got uveitis in her eye. Um, She could go blind. You know, it was just, it it was crazy. So, and we were taking her to the eye doctor every day. Like they're looking at her eye every day, like giving her um, drops, prednisone drops, trying to take down that inflammation. They referred her to the children's hospital. And once we got there, because that's a sign that, you know, your immune system's firing up and it's attacking the tissue in your eye. And it's like, why? Mm -hmm. Right? So, We take her to the children's hospital and they um, diagnose her with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. And yeah, that was tough. Mm -hmm. But sorry, it's still like, it just feels so like it was yesterday, you know? Yeah. So anyway, that was a whole thing for obviously years and we didn't know why um like what happened here what you know and nobody would give us any answers mm. and then I had Axel and um you know a year and a half or so later and I mean all this stuff with the children's hospital and stuff like that was over a certain period of time like it took quite a you know bit of time to move through that and they're like we're having to give her um injections to make sure she doesn't lose her eyesight Mm. You know just to keep that inflammation down it was just so tough to see like a little girl have to go through that and anyway so i had axel and with him being born so small and then having this like random like flemminess within him and nobody nobody being able to give me answers um you know those late night nursing <laughs> moments i'm like i'm in deep rabbit hole scrolling mm-hmm. mode you know yeah. every Facebook group, every everything, and um, so then I, of course, like I'm going down all these rabbit holes, and then my girlfriend Brienne, she was pregnant at the time, and her daughter is just six months younger than Axel, and she calls me and she's like, "Yeah, so um, our doctor wants me to get the flu shot." And I feel a little uncomfortable about it because like she's pregnant. Right. And she's like, I just don't think it's necessary. Like, what do you think? And I'm like, well, I'll get back to you tonight after I go down some rabbit holes. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> so anyway, that's where I went through every, you know, all the small print on every vaccine, every adverse reaction,
1: yeah.
2: all the VAERS, um, you know, documents. And I was like, so then i start pulling out all the records for all of our kids okay what do we got going on here and so i took them with us to one of the appointments at the children's hospital and i was like 24 hours after she had an uh she had a reaction after you know she was had her um immunizations and they're like yeah that's an adverse reaction i'm like and nobody wanted to say anything to us about it right and mm-hmm. you know
0: and so did they anyway report it do you know if they reported it
2: um, no, they did not report it.
0: Do you guys have a Canadian version of theirs?
2: I believe we do. Um, or it, it is VAERS, very, is international? very, yeah, it might be. It's very difficult to get, um, that actually reported.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, because we did discuss that with them, but they're like, well, you know, and it's now like a year later and you know, that kind of situation. Right. But one of my neighbors actually had worked in pediatrics as a nurse at the Children's Hospital for years, like 20 years, and she was just like,
0: it's virtually impossible. Mm, that's hard. So, yeah.
1: A novice question here. What is VAERS?
0: Uh, it stands for Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, I believe. Yeah, and okay. I think it's so. just the tracking mechanism that you're supposed to. <clears throat> record when a child has a negative response to a vaccine.
1: and this is a this is a government government run organization It is a
0: government um, facilitated reporting system but it's self-reported so it, uh, you require You go document it into you, their system. Either the yeah. parent can document it or the healthcare practitioner Got it. Okay. um yeah, a lot of people kind of knew about theirs after COVID because then they started seeing Um, information there and so it's controversial because it is self-report and so it's it's like Alyssa's saying you might stumble upon this connection a year later no one's gonna backtrack that. So there could be information that's
1: great on there and there could be information that's not it's kind of because it's all it's like Wikipedia.
0: Um, It's a little bit more like I would never want to downplay it for the parents who have gone through the process of getting their report on there because that is hard. But yeah, I think mm-hmm. I think if you're skeptical of it, you would kind of be like, well, anyone could say anything. Understood. I do believe that there is a federal um, penalty for claiming false injury. So Understood. I think that there's like hmm. some thing there. Like you'd have to just be a person with zero Got integrity it. to make something up. <laughs> yeah. But I just, I can't help but like hear, Alyssa, your frustration because you've now had like three big moments in time where you're sitting in this, like I see a medical issue in front of me. One's like your own, like gut dysbiosis and inflammation and struggle with food. One is with, Mm. you know, your child and then the next child. And it's like, how many people are in that right now that feel that I know we felt that before where we're like, we're not getting answers and it's frustrating. And I'm, I'm like sick of hearing that same story because it, it, like my internal like why is this still happening why can't we get people yeah. better care but I think it's so helpful to share the times you've gone through that because there's so many other people who are either yeah. going through that now who mm-hmm. have dealt with that and I mean I cannot imagine watching your daughter go through that pain I I, I hear yeah. the pain in your voice and I can resonate with that a little bit and um it's a really hard spot to be and yeah. when you feel yeah. alone on an island and <laughs> yeah um, it's just, it's hard. So thank you for sharing. How
1: old was she when she was going through the treatments to retain eyesight?
2: She was um, about four and a half. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this went on until she was about nine. Um, Mm -hmm. So in that time period, we, like, because we were, Wade and I were already on our own health journey, you know, Mm -hmm. always trying to figure out what the heck's wrong with me. And, you know, I, Wade had been actually on um, acid reflux medication before he met me for 20 years, literally 20 years. He could not go a day without it. And then because I was like gluten-free, dairy-free, you know, I Mm. didn't eat any like refined sugars or processed food, any of that crap. And, um, you know, that's just the way that I lived. And he, he, he hasn't, has not been on medication since probably 2013 because
0: wow. he's controlling it through diet all diet oh that's amazing Good yeah for him. so
2: we went into kendall's um situation my daughter uh looking at her as like okay so what does this all mean so rheumatoid arthritis obviously it's inflammation um in your joints and you know her eye, same thing so let's bring down that inflammation mm-hmm. um and you know, she's still taking these injections, um, to maintain, like, keep things at bay. But you know, we're like under that, we want to continue to bring things down within her diet. So we moved on to like a um AIP diet at that mm-hmm. point, which is very restrictive, um, especially for a little girl, yeah. Um, but we did stick to that for a good year and. And Wade was determined, like, I have to honestly really, like, I did the food part, but he was determined to get her off those injections. Mm. And slowly, um, I mean, obviously over time, like, you know, we would go and they'd be like, hey, you need to give her this much or, you know, each time, right? And it was um, once every week or every other week, I can't remember now, but um, we just slowly weaned her off at ourselves, Mm -hmm. in all honesty, We're just Mm -hmm. like, we're going to maintain bringing Mm -hmm. that inflammation down in her, uh, naturally. And then we're going to just wean her off this regardless Mm -hmm. of what they think. And then the last time Wade had gone, um, to her appointment at children's hospital, they're like, well, she looks amazing. Uh, what, how much, you know, are you giving her of her injection? And we're just like, Wade's like, well, none. (laughs) (laughs) you know so and they're like well whatever you're doing is working so let's uh Mm. you can you just move forward and we keep checking in on her and making sure everything's good and and she's been great so you know fingers crossed that that it stays that way for her
0: wow and food for them i mean because you have to be servicing so many people and you have to rely on the parents to be super diligent and not every parent can be I understand why they can't prescribe a food first treatment plan I get that I mean they it would be a logistical nightmare and then you know they would yeah I understand but it is like food's not going to be their go-to to to controlling inflammation but you're such a great example of how you guys kind of did that on your own and um, it worked beautiful. Beautifully. And for those who don't know, AIP stands for autoimmune um oh shoot, I just lost protocol it. Uh, the paleo protocol. Autoimmune yeah. paleo. Yeah. So it's like the paleo yeah. diet, but autoimmune version, so it's even more restrictive. I mean, I don't believe you can have any um grains, legumes, seeds. No. Definitely no yeah. refined sugar, no yeah. um dairy. No dairy. Kind. Yeah. Basically just meat and some vegetables and yeah, no nightshades, foods. no yeah okay yeah so it's it's really intense and it does provide relief for a lot of people um yeah. during a short period of time it's meant to be a totally. healing diet not a you know long-term diet your, right yeah um yeah. and so yeah what a, what a cool example of you guys kind of leading the charge food wise because yeah i think we should recognize where our um, health care providers can ser- serve us and where they can't yeah. and you know sometimes the food piece is is missing in that so
2: yeah absolutely
1: so you're on this this health journey. You're, you're. I mean, getting after figuring out your own way out of some difficult situations. Yeah. And you're probably working really hard to maintain these. We're gonna call it diets, right? Yeah. This AIP. Yeah. Um, um, I don't. I don't know that the goal there. I think it's 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 interesting when we call something a diet when the intention is to make ourselves. Um, heal mm-hmm. yeah when, when, when i've always seen diets as restrictive to like yeah. intentional suffering for an end result right like a cleanse yeah. like, you know what i mean like yeah. it's just yeah. a weird thing to say that because because yeah. we'll call it a healing
2: me, diet yes yeah, thank you because
1: i have people ask me all the time like how you know well joey you probably won't eat that because it's not in your diet and i'm like If you watch me at home, you'd be like, this man is not on a diet. Like this dude is. Totally. I I will put down like half a loaf of sourdough bread. And I'm like ready to rock and roll. You and me both. Yeah. So diet, you know, it just just feels weird. Anyways, sorry. Um, Distracted there. So you're, you're, you're you're getting after, well, curious. I know it's tough to, to do these sorts of restrictive things. uh, But man, the motivation of, of, of the vision of, being better, being well can yeah. can keep us on a journey on a track that's yeah, it's huge. What did family dinners look like?
2: Um, they were very um, they were pretty basic for you know that extended period of time. Just trying to navigate that AIP diet, and then we kind of just moved into like a gluten free um, mm. version, and then really low sugar. Uh, still no dairy at that point and it seemed to it seemed to work well for her. Um, and then if there was any any kind of like hiccups, we would we would just revert back, you know mm. just okay, let's go back to square one. again, like you don't you, you know a little bit of gasoline on a fire is gonna you know explode that flame. So we just were like, okay, whoa, whoa whoa, back that up. and um so yeah dinners were you know kind of the same as what they are now um you know meat and vegetables and you know some sort of carb Mm -hmm. um nothing crazy
1: (laughs) when it came to planning out meals and kind of Mm -hmm. preparing for the week and 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 you're you're looking for some healing kind of diets that you that you're implementing and and i know it it varied and fluctuated and i think everybody's any, anytime yeah. you're on a journey towards real food, there's fluctuation. Oh yeah, and, and and we're trying to prepare our bodies to deal with the fact that there's going to be stressors in our life, right? There's going to be stressors that we encounter, and we want to set ourselves up as best we can to uh, to ward those kind of threats off. But was 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 it really challenging for you to kind of plan ahead, get meals prepped, do your grocery shopping, or did for it sure. almost help you get into a rhythm? Okay, so it's challenging. <laughs> So tell me about that. What did that that process look like for you?
2: Well, you know, when the girls... So my girls are twins. um, They had a birthday party at school, you know, and um, they were they would want to bring something. And it's like, what do you bring? You know, I'm out over here making, you know, a flour cinnamon buns and they take me forever. Wow. And, you know, and, I, and I'm taking them to the school and like three kids will eat them. Like my kids are like, oh, these are amazing. And the other kids are like, <laughs> what is that? You know, it's just like, so there was, it was, it was time consuming, but at mm. the time I had the time to do it. So I didn't, You know, you're really motivated when it's like, okay, your kid could lose her sight or you could, you know, have a convenient dinner. So Mm -hmm. you just do it and it's just the way that you live your life. So
0: was there any part of you and your diligence with your food during that time that has sort of helped you be more confident in the kitchen today? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, like
2: I... I look at things a lot differently, um, mm-hmm. and you know, I look at things as okay. This is this is for nutrition. This is for fuel. This isn't for convenience. Um, I'm I'm looking I'm looking at everything very differently. Like those those rose colored glasses are off. Every food has its purpose for me and for my kids. And some of my kids can't eat certain things. Um, my youngest son has a what they would call a rare allergy called F-Pies. Have you ever heard of that? No, I haven't. Okay. So it is way more common than people think. Um, And I'll give you the background on that because this has really navigated our world too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, it doesn't end, does it? So it's food (laughs) protein-induced intercolitis syndrome. So basically it's like inflammation of your small intestine, Um, which is caused by ingestion of something that you are allergic to the actual protein in the food. So for mm-hmm. Bodhi, my youngest guy, he it was avocados for him. And it's not like, okay, you're ingesting something and then it swells or you get sick or something like that. It is you, you eat the food and then mm-hmm. two-ish hours later, you literally vomit to shock. So you don't even know... <laughs> what the heck had happened (laughs) you know you're like okay my kid has the flu right because what's like they haven't eaten like what what would, would it right what would it be but I the first time it happened to him he was I don't know I think I started feeding him maybe at like seven or eight months and I gave him avocado and I think sweet potato or something and he was in his jolly jumper and I wasn't home. Um, he was with Wade and Wade's like, ooh, it was like two hours after. He's like, Bodhi's puking, like a lot. And I was like, oh, really? That's weird. So I came home and he was like gray in the face and just like so lethargic. I'm like, what the heck is going on here? So I was like, okay, well, let's just, maybe it was the food whatever. And then, so we didn't, I actually didn't, I just, continued to nurse him and I didn't feed him for probably another week or so because obviously I knew his stomach had been upset regardless if it was the flu or food or whatever. So I just backed off. And then when I fed him again, Mm. I again fed him avocado and um, he two hours later projectile vomiting, like the same thing. But I just randomly knew what this was because in my dark rabbit hole times and I was nursing Axel. My cousin had a kid at the the same age as Axel who was vomiting, like, like bleeding, like in her uh, blood in her stool. And it was just horrible, like 10 times worse than what Bodhi had. And on one of my Facebook groups, I found this thing called F-Pies. And I was like, well, take this to your doctor and see if this is a thing. Like, maybe it could be. It took her four years to get a, di- a diagnosis for her, mm-hmm. um, for her daughter. But that's exactly what it was. So when wow. I saw this happen to Bodhi, I knew instantly at the second time that it that's what it was. And I took him to my doctor and I said, I'm 99.9% sure he has F-Pies. Um, can you refer me to an allergist? So she did. And the allergist actually specialized in this. And he said, um, he said it was rare, which I don't believe because I now know a handful of kids just in my like extended inner circle that have this. I think it goes undiagnosed. Um, you know, kids just like, Oh, I have a spitty up kid. Right. But it's, it's not. And anyway, he actually has a letter that if he comes in contact with any of his foods that he may have um an allergy to um he is to be taken to the emergency room and it is not to be treated like the flu that he has f pies and they are to immediately um
0: iv him fluids Mm. and just like if he throws up just let him get it out of his system yeah so yeah what's the diagnostic process for that like is there a A blood test you're looking at? Like, how did they figure that out?
2: It is the worst process you could ever think of because it is process of elimination. Mm. You chart your kids' food, you feed them the blueberries or whatever it is you want to feed them, and then you feed it to them, like, up to 10 times, and you pray to God that they don't have a reaction.
0: Wow. That's stressful. (laughs) Yeah, it's very stressful. (laughs) At this point, you know, were you just like, can I just catch a break? I mean, was that ever a thought? Oh my gosh. It was, yeah, it was a huge thought.
2: And, you know, at one point when I was nursing Bodhi, because I ate avocado all the time and he would spit up, um, but like he was a very happy baby, um, but he always had this like acidic bum rash that nothing would take away and i was like what is it so i did full elimination diets like down to like eight foods with him but i always kept avocadoing because i'm like i need a fat mm-hmm. right and I'm like who is allergic to avocado yeah you have never seen <laughs> and that yeah and that happened to be the one
0: wow is there like, is there anything else on it, his list or is it pretty much just avocado
2: it's they wanted me to avoid latex fruits so anything like um he didn't do any banana or kiwi or stuff like that so um he still doesn't they typically say like after three they grow out of the allergy um but not every kid does like you know on some of those forums like there's still kids out there that are 12 years old drinking elemental formula and that's all they can drink
0: wow that's all they can consume it's because kids, you know, hypothetically might grow out of it. That's probably why it does go undiagnosed so often. Yeah. Th- i mean even you'd have to be like hitting the ground running the first yeah. symptom by the time it took your yeah. medical team. Yeah, that's interesting. Um yeah, it's crazy. Oof, yeah. So, so you,
1: you were you were so, yeah. doing the AIP uh, and then you were kind of going back and forth and now we're avoiding avocados. The uh <laughs> where in there because um, at one point you mentioned being you know gluten free, dairy free. Um, yeah. I have to assume you're not gluten free nowadays. But no, not at all. <laughs> um, sorry, I was like, yeah, geez. Uh, but uh, when did when did we incorporate kind of wheat products back into the diet? And how did we get there? How did we identify that? Hey, we can do this again.
2: Okay, so, um, in. 2020, I think it was 2020, um, my neighbor, she she was my neighbor, she milled her own flour just on a countertop mill. Like she homeschools her four kids and she's just like a real prairie woman. Like she is just amazing. (laughs) She was like, she's just, I like, like look at her and I was just like, you know, if I could just get, you know, a quarter of what, you know, um, like, I feel like I've made Mm -hmm. it. And um, she was actually the nurse who worked at the children's hospital for years, mm. and then stopped after her last her last child because she's just like kids are just getting sicker, and it's so hard to watch. Mm,
0: yeah.
2: um, but she would be my go-to if like my kid had an ear infection or something. She'd always have some sort of tincture, or oil, or you know whatever. So what a good
0: neighbor. She was
2: really oh amazing, so amazing. Yeah. Love her. And so one day she was like, we have chickens and pigs and the whole shebang here on our little hobby farm and and so they her she would buy eggs from us so she was coming up one day to get eggs and she's like I'm gonna bring you some bread and I was just like okay (laughs) you know I don't eat bread but thank you so she I was chatting with her up front and she was she says you know I, I just milled this flour this morning um and you know whatever just like a whole grain loaf of bread you know nothing crazy and i was like oh thanks i was like but i'm gluten free and she was just like oh silly girl <laughs> <laughs> you know just kind it of, yeah, she was like so she says she's like well it's it's organic like i it's organic grains and i was like yeah but like it was like gluten free was like you know foreign to her like what are you talking about cuz everything she makes is whole grain yeah. like her cookies her cakes her everything is whole grain she mills the flour and she makes it yeah. so i was like okay well Sure. So I take it inside and I'm like, well, what's, (laughs) I'll have a slice. She's like, she says it's, you know, freshly milled organic flour, water, yeast, oil, and honey. Mm -hmm. That's it. Like, she's like, you'll be fine. So I humor her and I have a bite. I'm like, Oh, whatever. Like I'll probably get eczema on my hands or bloat or whatever. I usually get like the face rash here kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, anyway, nothing. Wow. Like nothing, no reaction. So let me tell you, I was running to get a countertop mill <laughs> and I was like, gluten, gluten, gluten. Yeah. <laughs> and my kids were all like, yay, like real food. Thanks. And, um, you know, so it was really her that introduced me to freshly milled grains and, and they, and it, as you know, they taste nothing like grocery store flour. Like right. it doesn't taste... You you taste, like if your flour, I always say to people, if your flour doesn't have a smell, then there's something wrong there. Mm-hmm. Like it should smell like like the outdoors, like earthy and, you know, robust. But if you go grab your Robin Hood flour from your pantry and it just smells like of nothing, then there's just nothing there. It's just endosperm, right. <laughs> you know. So the the bread was really yummy and so, you know... There was nothing in it that I wouldn't eat other than wheat. So then I started, I ordered a countertop mill and I started kind of milling my own flour and making my own bread and buns and, and my family was loving it and, you know, everything in moderation, right? Like I didn't want to, you know, eat a whole loaf of bread (laughs) like I sometimes do and, um, and, you know, really shock my body, but I wasn't getting those typical symptoms Mm. that i would have gotten prior to so i rolled with it
0: and then so like you weren't even doing a sourdough method like because a lot of times people say like well if the grain is properly fermented which totally makes sense you're saying your biggest difference was the the fact that it was freshly milled and it was the whole wheat berry i mean did she sift this flour at all nothing no no um that's amazing. And was it a dense loaf or was it light? I mean, what was that bread like? It was, yeah, it, it was obviously like
2: a denser, way tighter crumb than like, you know, what we would see in our sourdoughs sure. or something like that or like a normal sandwich bread. But it was so delicious. Mm. Like it, it tasted, it, you know, I still prefer a whole grain bread over anything, mm-hmm. even a sourdough, just because... I mean a whole grain sourdough like would be my number one. But my kids like a, a lighter loaf. Yeah. So but I just love the taste of it. And it was just, you know, slob that with butter and it's like you can't go wrong.
0: Yeah. So then how did you take us through the process of first of all, I'm interested in what kind of mill you had, your countertop mill. Did you like it? Yeah.
2: Um
0: yeah, it was fine.
2: It was um what do you call it? Um I'm trying to think what it's called. Like it wasn't like a stone mill. Okay. It it like just like pulverized okay. the grains. Um. So if I was to do it again, I'd probably buy like a mini stone mini mill. Stone.
0: That's kind of what I was looking yeah. for for our house. Yeah, like a mock mill yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. So what? I assume you had to go again into research <laughs> mode on your yeah. down your rabbit hole. Yeah, because you turned around and at some point now you own a flour mill so take us through the Mm -hmm. journey between Alyssa milling her own flour on her countertop to hey i'm gonna take this and make it bigger and commercialize and sell to people
2: yeah so (laughs) i know this will probably be no surprise but uh wade (laughs) mr overachiever (laughs) um he sees He sees me obviously making bread, making bread for my friends and very simplistic. Like I'm talking just like the whole grain loaves that we were just discussing and, you know, treats and stuff like that. And, you know, people are like, well, can you mill me some flour? And yeah, I just like a little Ziploc bag. And I'm like, throw that in your fridge or freezer and, you know, and, and bake with it when you can kind of thing. Keep it fresh. So that went on. And then obviously like the pandemic, um, hit and the world just you know goes upside down and for me like Wade and I have been trying to build this life here on our little mini farm um of like sustainability and for us it's of course like it would be ideal to be able to you know produce all of our own food all like mm-hmm. garden vegetables we do a ton of canning you know we have our pigs our chickens our, our meat birds and so on and so forth. But I really thought back in, you know, 2020, I'm like, what am I contributing to society? Mm -hmm. Like, what is, what is my goal here? What am I doing? You know, I know that I can contribute something, but I just don't know at what scale or, or, you know, how this is going to look for me in the future, because I really wanted something that would bring community together for support like-minded people who you know have a passion for food and health mm-hmm. but you know how do you how do you do that right and and uh so one day Wade was like well why don't we you know start looking at doing this bigger like a, a you know on a bigger scale and I'm like well I don't know so then we started looking at other companies who <clears throat> do freshly milled flour and kind of understanding the process and stuff. And then we just kind of bit the bullet and we ordered, well, we went through all the like business planning and stuff. And then we bit the bullet and we ordered a mill from Austria and it took forever to get here, Um, you know, with all the
0: container issues and ships and all that stuff. I'm surprised you even got it to you in this time frame. I
2: know. Trust me, I know. We were surprised too.
0: It's beautiful, by the way. And then it just the aesthetic of it is like, oh, I like that. I want to go. Yeah, they've
2: been making mills um, for like I think like 80 years, nearly 80 years. Like these beautiful stone mills. How did
0: you? How did you select that particular mill? Well,
2: we actually we researched quite a few. Um, but one of, one of the companies that here in Canada that also does stone milling, this was the mill that they started out with. And it felt like aesthetically, like it was really beautiful and it was functional and it was like a nice size to kind of start. Cause we're like, where is this going? You know, like what, what is like, is anybody even going to want this? <laughs> you know? so, we didn't want to have like this huge investment, um, I mean, it was a big investment, don't get me wrong. But, you know, I didn't want to have this commercial, like, huge stone mill situation um, going on. So that that kind of really was what our deciding factor was. Um, and just, like, leaps of faith. We just didn't know. We didn't know what yeah. the hell we were doing. We were just doing it, um, going through the motions. And I literally left a lot of that in Wade's hands. Because as soon as, like, you know, he gets an idea... And then I'm, I'm the person who's like whoa 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 whoa. And then I just like kind of like you know give him enough breadcrumbs to keep going further and further. But I'm still like I'm standing back here just case this fails. Mm-hmm. And then and then he you know he then all of a sudden like it's a thing. And I'm like okay I'm here to show up
0: for work.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love that
0: dynamic. I can totally picture it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's our relationship in a nutshell. <laughs> so funny. So how before this like in your gluten-free era what did you Mm -hmm. believe was true about wheat because i think so Mm. many people have misconceptions and i think to hear that someone who owns and operates a stone ground organic flour mill to hear that they were previously gluten-free is a little bit jarring so i want to hear how you like what did you used to believe about wheat that you no longer believe about wheat
2: yeah, so I strongly believed that, you know, all wheat, all wheat products were um inflammatory. Like they're just causing issues, leaky gut and, you know, that whole spiel. And you know, what I did learn from um my neighbor is that, you know, I feel like a couple things come into play here. You can eat and consume what you want, as long as you have a healthy gut gut flora, right? So in moderation. And when I was gluten-free, I didn't feel, I didn't feel any better. Like I didn't, Mm. you know, I don't, and I stuck with it for a really long time, but because there's so much gluten-free garbage out there and you're supplementing and moving things around and you're eating tons of rice products and, you know, that's high in arsenic. And like, there's just, it never ends, right? Like every corner you went, there was another hidden, you know, scary thing out there. And what, you know, what I thought about wheat at the time was, well, it's just causing inflammation. It's causing leaky gut. So I just need to stay away from that. Um, but then when I look at wheat now, you know, obviously there's different types of wheat and, um, and, you know, conventional wheat versus organic wheat and modern wheat and modern wheat's a whole other, you know, ball game. But if we eat it properly and what I love about you explain to people, like fermented, you know, ferment your, your, your breads and eat it the way that it's meant to be eaten. Like you can handle that. Mm-hmm. Your stomach could handle that along with other things like if if you guys have not listened to um the homegrown podcast about fermenting please like i'll never have another meal without sauerkraut like i'm telling you like that was
0: amazing we reference (gasps) her like every episode i hope she knows she's getting i
2: am obsessed i'm obsessed with her and (laughs) i just think like we do so we we should be able to eat wheat and we should eat it in its proper form Mm -hmm. we should eat it we should eat it fermented. We should eat whole grains. Um, when you're removing the bran and germ from your flour, you're removing those B vitamins that help you digest and break down Mm. that food in the first place. So, you know, if you just want to eat starch, then eat like your all purpose flour, that's just white flour. But if you want to eat food that nourishes your body, um, eat your whole grains. Like everybody knows that at this point. Right. So, um, so yeah, when I kind of like, flipped my brain from from thinking a certain way and then moving into actually living that lifestyle and
0: feeling a certain way you know i was it was night and day for me yeah i think so often what happens is people make these generalized statements about food it happens with dairy too oh dairy is inflammatory whatever but they don't necessarily and i fell into this trap too because i was gluten-free and Mm dairy-free and paleo all you know i went through all those phases at one point in my life (laughs) all the the things (laughs) and but like i never once stopped or had someone look at me and say do you know the history behind that food like i never once thought about hey um Is there something more to this conversation? Is it all wheat? Is all wheat Mm. the same? What part of the wheat am I even eating? If you realize you're eating the seed of a grass and you know anything about seeds, there's protective measures around that seed so it doesn't just germinate spontaneously. And so, okay, well, if this seed is designed the specific way to, you know, perfectly germinate at the moment that it needs to, but to humans in the gut, you know, we might need to break down some of those barriers. Hey, beautiful, fermentation does that for us. Hey, what does um, stone ground milling with, without sifting, I think I want to talk about sifting too, um, mm-hmm. versus like a super refined white powdery flour, why do those two look yeah. different? It's like I was not inquisitive enough to ask those questions, and I think when you are – that's when you can peel back the layers and say, hey, there's more to this yeah. than just, hey, all wheat is bad. And I know there's, like, some really popular books out there and The Grain Brain and all those things. I think there's valid information in there. But I just want to yeah. remind people, like, wheat is not a singular topic. You could talk about a million no. things with wheat. And same with other foods, too. I mean, meat's the same way. There's there's so much stuff. So. Yeah. You mentioned types of flour, and I kind of categorize like there's ancient grain, there's like heritage grain, and then there's like modern wheat, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Maybe talk yeah. about those three groupings. And then I think the milling process is confusing for a lot of folks because I know myself when we talk about sifting flour, like, hey, we're removing some of that bran, I believe it is. Yeah. Um, there's a certain percentage yeah. there that either, either references how much got through or how much is behind. Walk us through that whole situation.
2: Okay, so I'll speak to what we have here at this, in our mill. Um, We run with a heritage grain, which is the Red Fife. Um, It's Canada's oldest wheat. It's not, um, it's not, it's not hybridized. It's not, you know... It is what it is. <laughs> it's an it's 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 a heritage grain. It is the way that it was a hundred years okay. ago. Um, we use that for our multi-purpose flour, like our all-purpose flour, and uh, we also have like a whole grain version of that. Um, we also do a bread flour, um, which we use hard red spring wheat. Um, <clears throat> so it's with the har- hard red spring wheat. It is a modern. Um, it is a modern wheat, a modern grain, right? Like it is, it has been hibernized. It's, it's, you know, it is grown to have high yields. Um, the stalks and stuff are just thicker and the heads are bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, that it has been just the process of evolution of wheat over the last few years. And I think that that probably is part of the reason why people have so many issues with wheat. Um, modern wheat specifically because, you know, we're looking at that kernel and it is bigger and it is, you know, it is, it is bred to be, um, like, have higher yields, right? So what does that do to, like, the the gluten molecule within that, within that, you know, kernel, mm-hmm. right? I had an allergist explain to me once, um, and I don't, I don't know if this to be, if this is true or not, but this is what he said to me. He said... With modern wheat, um, you know, and this is why some people can go to Europe and stuff and eat and not have issues and then come back here and then they have issues. So our wheat here, uh, the gluten molecule is actually larger than it once was. So, you know, as we ingest and then it goes through our system, we have these receptors that come out to go grab the molecule, bring it down to process it. And now our receptors can no longer get that molecule to do Mm. that. So then it just continues on and causes inflammation and leaky gut.
0: Hmm.
2: So that's how he explained it to me in like a really, you know, basic terms. (laughs) Um, So that's for people who don't have any sort of issues or leaky gut issues like, you know, modern wheat, eat it fermented. Like, just do that. Just do that for yourself. If you don't have issues now, you probably will later on in life Mm -hmm. if you continue to Um, you know, just not treat your body properly, but the way that we mill our flour, obviously in our stone mill, it is milled slowly at cool temperatures. Like it never gets heated up. We try to keep as much, you know, of the kernel and stuff intact and, you know, all the oils from the germ are still in our flours. Mm -hmm. And so all those vitamins and uh, minerals that are in the wheat, They're what is going to help you break that down once you you eat Mm -hmm. it, right? So, you know, it's like having a bank account and you continuously are taking money out but not replenishing. If you don't replenish yourself with those B vitamins, then you're going to be deficient and then you're going to have issues. Mm. So eat your flour the way that it's intended, either whole grain or if we, when we do sift it, we only sift a small portion out, like 20%. Mm. So... If it says 80% extraction on the bag, that just means that 20% of that um, bran has been sifted out to make a lighter flour, but it is still full of all the oils and all like lots of bran, obviously.
0: Yeah. So I want to back up there because I want to make sure I understand this. The B vitamins present in the bran help the body Mm -hmm. digest the wheat as you're eating it. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, and any sort of B vitamin with anything that you eat, that is something that helps, you know, helps within your digestion. And if
0: you're not eating the wheat as it was intended with that B vitamin still in there, then your body's going to take those B vitamins from other things. You're going to deplete yes. your your stores of vitamin B to digest that wheat that naturally would have had to be but you told it to leave it at the door because you sifted it out. That's, I've never heard that explained that way. That's interesting. And yet another example of like eating whole foods is just better, right? It's simple. Legitimately. Everything. Yeah. Anything,
2: and that's what people will say to me. They're like, you know, like, because people don't get the milling, you know, the process or whatever. And It's very simple. It's, you put the grain into um, into the shoot and then you, and then it slowly goes through and then it's a little bit sifted out and then you have flour. Whereas in, you know, conventional flour, it is very different. There's a lot to it. You know, there's a lot of pulverizing, heating, bleaching, um, you know, vitamins added back in because it's all been removed when they just leave you with the endosperm of, you know, of the wheat kernel. And it's just, you know,
0: it's just starch virtually right yeah. so spike your blood so, sugar starch i mean white flour would just be like zoom like right up there so and yeah and when i picture a, the inside of a stone mill i'm picturing like two almost like not concrete but like stones obviously granite, granite. okay thank you yeah. two yeah. big gray yeah. stones and they kind of like oscillate is that accurate and then the seeds kind of fall between and they like get yep. ground in that way Yep.
2: Yep. Interesting. Exactly. And there's like little ridges um on the insides of the stones. Yeah. Um yeah, and they just slowly rotate and like a mortal and passive. Yeah, it's it's a pretty
0: Like if you think about what that looks yeah, like, you know. Yeah, yeah that's
2: totally hmm. it's it's so simplistic, it's almost like mind blowing. Like people just can't fathom the fact that it that's that easy. Yeah. And i mean we have countertop mills and stuff now and and i highly recommend those because it's such a nice nice to have mm-hmm. of course sifted flowers are really nice to have and sifters are a little you know it's not something you can just go pick
0: up right so what does that process um, look like because i'm picturing like a literal like sieve. like can i not just sift my flour through a... you you could you yeah
2: you totally could okay. um But it wouldn't, you probably wouldn't get out the same amount. Like our sifters are really, really fine. Mm -hmm. And it go, they go pretty quick and they go through like three different sifters. Um. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it is. It's really neat. It's so simplistic. Um, It's, again, it's just like taking things back um, to do things the traditional way, right? Like every community had a stone mill. Everybody had a miller. Everybody had that, you know, that guy they would go to and get their flour from or girl. And it's just, um, that's what I want to bring back to the community. It's not for me to have this big, you know, booming flour mill business. It's like, bring bring your food back to your community and eat the way that you're supposed to be eating and you will feel good. Mm. Trust me. <laughs> Trust me.
0: Yeah. I mean, if anyone has been through the ringer, just health-wise and food journey, I mean, it sounds like you've just had multiple moments where your um, patience has been tested and it's it's nice oh, to yeah. hear you know you on the other side of that and you're not just like hey I want to raise awareness about real food you're like I'm actually going to be a solution to Here the problem is. yeah here's I, the real food I'm getting yeah. in the game and I'm creating <laughs> yeah. this and I think that that's so yeah. inspiring because you know not everyone can just jump up and like start a farm or whatever whatever your passion is um, yeah. but I love hearing the folks who are doing that because you wouldn't put your time and your money and your energy into this if you did not wholeheartedly believe in it. And yeah. I, I just think that's really evident in your story.
2: Well, I think it's important when people are starting a business, like an idea is one thing. Um, but you have to, I think what really propels you and gives you confidence is when you live through it yourself. And you know, there was no denying to me that the way that I felt and the way I reacted to that loaf of bread that she had given me, um, was like, I couldn't have gone and done that with like a loaf of bread from the grocery store. Like it just wouldn't happen, Mm. you know? So I think that it's super important for people when you, when you live through something, you need to look at it and be like, okay, okay, there is a silver lining here and obviously I was meant to go through this and what can I do with this information? Mm -hmm. Um, and for me it was, you know, and Wade obviously was just to, to show people that like we don't have to be scared of our food. We just have to prepare it. Um, in the right ways and maybe just start looking at how things used to be because we are living in a world that is not like it was a hundred years ago Mm -hmm. we are we are like dodging chemicals from our sky our water our food and it's just like you have to be a ninja out there to try to you know navigate the world that we're living in and you know one thing we can control is our food intake and um buy local know your farmers get a miller, get a farmer, get somebody who has your produce. And, you know, I think it's super, super important. Mm.
0: Speaking of knowing your farmers, I'm so curious how you went out and searched, like, what was your criteria when you were looking to source your wheat berries? um, Yeah. For the mill. So obviously
2: organic. Um, It was important to us to have organic farmers, but honestly, like passion. Mm. Um, When we went and spoke with, uh, we just like, you know, looked them up online. Like once we had an idea and we, there's like a registry that you can look through and we were looking through what we wanted for wheat. And then we would contact the farmers. And let me tell you, those organic farmers, you, you think we're passionate (laughs) <laughs> Try spending 14 hours in a tractor a day. Um, you know, maintaining weeds and doing all that stuff. You have got to have some passion yeah. because one of our farmers actually um, has gone from conventional to organic, oh, wow. and he still runs a conventional farm um, and and an organic farm. Wow. And he said it, it's four it's four to one, like four like four times more work in his tractor than it is on the conventional side um so but for him a light bulb went off when he was spraying fertilizer toxic fertilizer on his crop being like i want to have children i want to i want to be okay and i don't want to be you know this doesn't feel right Mm -hmm. like if i have to be in a hazmat suit and i'm spraying this on my crop like this there's something wrong here you know and he grew up farming his whole life so you know that was a big thing for us is like when we would speak to our farmers and the passion behind them, because Wade and I are, are new to this world, right? Like we have an idea and we're learning and we want to produce what we can produce, like a beautiful product for um for our customers, but the farmers are the backbone of this and um they you know they're they love to speak about what they're doing because you know they don't get enough credit like like that's what it boils down to yeah there's people like me who are in the forefront and you know have the instagram account and i speak to that and blah 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 but these are the guys doing the work these are the guys making making the grains and and you know they do not get enough credit
0: let me tell you oh i totally agree <clears throat> yeah, I I often am like, how can I just point the spotlight on the food producer? Get dial it back, go back to them, mm. whoever is creating yeah. it. And you're a big part of that too, because you know, without you, the miller, we wouldn't be able I mean, unless we all had our own home mills, like we wouldn't be able to take yeah. that grain and utilize it. And so you're both integral parts in getting food into families' hands. Um Yeah. I I'm curious. Um, how you selected I know you said you wanted to go with the heritage wheat for the, with the red fife, which I've been loving by the way. I I put that in like everything yeah, pancakes, um, cookies, all the things. <laughs> so good. So, right? Um yeah. Um the and I use the bread flour obviously because I like the little bit of the higher gluten when I'm making like an artisan loaf of sourdough. But what yeah. run us through the types of flour that you guys source and sort of just why you chose those.
2: Yeah, so we chose um the red fife because it's Canada's oldest grain, like I had mentioned. And it's, um, there's quite a bit of history there. So we liked that, uh, one of the farmers that we had come in contact with, he's super, super passionate about his red fife and he kind of just sold us on it. And it makes a really silky, um, flower that has like a really distinct taste. Um, it's great. And like our sifted, the, the red fife is really good as a sifted flour in like cakes and muffins and pancakes it's just it's very light mm-hmm. and whereas like when we mill um a hard red spring wheat it it's a little bit i don't know how to explain it. it's not as soft it's not as like you know powdery and it's just a way the red fife is a way softer grain so When I did some research on that and after speaking to Mark, the farmer, you know, he, like, I was just like, well, I have to try it. So I had ordered some flour and, and it was just so yummy. I was like, okay, well. I have to do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's number one. And then I knew that everybody would want like a bread flour because sourdough was like really hitting the scene at that point um, when we started this mill, right? So I wanted to be able to produce a flour that could make a beautiful sourdough loaf. Um, So there was a few bakers here in town and and I spoke to them and like I could have done like some sort of blend or whatever, but we just went straight up hard red spring wheat. That is your like go-to bread flour base and we just looked for like a a strong um, crop and that's what we went for and it's been great so those are the two that we have so far Um, we sell them as whole grain and then sifted versions and then just the wheat berries themselves Um, but this fall we will move into rye flour and you know I have my eyes on a few others but we'll see what happens Mm, we're
0: yeah. Any eyes on no, no, Kamut no, we'll at all? Are you looking? <laughs> yes. To, okay. I, Big eyes. <laughs> okay, because it's so hard to find. And I I like Kamut. I, I like it better than einkorn flour, honestly. Yeah. Because einkorn, is, it's got like that unique brandy flavor, but it's really heavy. And it if is. you're trying, I don't know. I feel like when I've worked with Kamut, it's it kind of lends itself to that silkier texture of mm-hmm. almost like the Red Fife, but not quite. Um, it's just different, and it's like a bright yellow. It's really fun when you're making bread. Yeah. I just like that
1: flavor. So we're talking about wheat varieties. Yeah. We're talking about wheat varieties. And It's almost like we're saying like <laughs> heirloom tomatoes, aromas, big boys. Is, totally. that, is that kind of yeah, the world right all now? Because it's all wheat, right? It's all yeah. wheat. And we've got Kamut, yeah, we've got Red Fife, we've got Einkorn,
0: and the hard red. So, so bread flour. Yeah. And I get this question all the time. They're like, "Can I just use AP all-purpose flour?" I'm like you can but you might have varying success the reason why we like a hard yeah. red wheat or hard like hard red winter or spring doesn't matter wheat for yeah, your yeah, bread yeah. flour is because the gluten percentage is higher it's a it's a harder flour and when you're working with a free bake artisan loaf like we're not pouring our dough yeah. into a loaf pan when we're talking about like high hydration sourdough um you want that thing to have its own internal structure and like be yeah. able to expand without just blobbing into a big bowl of soup and so <laughs> yeah people can use all purpose with some success but you really want to leverage that wheat's gluten so that you can create good dough elasticity and strength but the beauty yeah. of sourdough is that through that process of fermentation some of that stuff is broken down for you. So it's like yes, we don't need to fear the gluten because, yes, we're opting for a flour, in gluten, but we're then taking it sort of on this roller coaster journey ride. We're utilizing its strength to build it up into internal structure, and then we're also kind of leaving it for a cold proof to continue to pre-digest that gluten so that our bodies can yes. handle it. And so that always yeah. wigs people out because they're like, wait a minute, like – is my gluten-free or is my sourdough gluten-free? I'm like, no, it's absolutely not gluten-free, but gluten is a protein. Let's talk about that. And then the ways that there's some other components in bread that could be leading to your distress. It's not just gluten, right? There's other parts of the bread or the chemicals sprayed on the wheat perhaps or the, you know, milling that's leaving out a huge portion of the wheat berry Wheat berry is another term I think confuses people. It's just the name for the little piece of grain. It looks like a piece yeah, of Yeah, the kernel. That, yeah. yeah. And people are like, wait, wheat yeah. has berries? Like they're picturing like a blueberry. I know, it's so... But, um. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So the, the protein percentage or the gluten percentage of flour, every sourdough baker kind of understands that we can lean on that a little bit. And that's, I think that's smart of you to offer a bread flour. Um. And again, yes, it's been hybridized to have that, but hybridization is is way different than we're not genetically modifying wheat at this point no. in time. I know the US is like right on the cusp of that unfortunately, but hybridization is 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 like crop selection, right? You have two good peas and you want to make a really strong pea plant, you take one from the, you know, it's it's your basic reproduction system. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um I that's why again, I'm like you can say, oh, I'm going gluten-free and eat all your rice crackers, and that's great. But if you still don't feel good, you're not getting to yeah. the root cause. And it's like to say that all wheat is the same, first of all, isn't even a, a good representation. Yeah. Then let's talk about milling. Then let's talk about processing and fermenting. And yeah. There's just so much.
2: There's so many things. Yeah. There's so many things there. And I think people miss... Um, they look at food as like okay, there, there it is in a package waiting for me to consume and and it just that's just not the way that it should be mm-hmm. um, You need to look at it from the source, um, how it's prepared, mm-hmm. how it's packaged, how it's consumed and and then and then make a diagnosis from there yeah, and I think those are the missing steps in a lot of people's diet and um, health issues mm-hmm. to be honest with you. I agree
1: so let's say we're talking to a novice. Consumer. Definitely not me, right? (laughs) Because I'm an expert. But let's just say we were talking to a novice (laughs) and we were going to help said novice understand what kind of flour they should be buying at the store and how to find or identify whether or not it's red fife or, I mean, I guess it's just labeled on the package. Uh, What what are we looking for? What what, what kind of, what kind of, um, what kind, how can we best set up this? this consumer to find the right flour?
2: For me, I would say organic is number one. Um, You want to just eliminate all that off the hop, zero glyphosate in your flour. Let's just move on from there. And then I would say um, whole grain, if you're looking for the most nutrients, Mm. stone milled. Um, So obviously it's not... um, you know, heated up or Mm. anything like that. And uh, freshly milled would be like of top priority. So something that has been milled, you know, if you can get it right away, that would be number one. But within the last month or so, I would say, and then take it home and put it in your fridge or freezer.
0: Mm -hmm. It's kind of like coffee, right? Like you can have the green beans and then once they're roasted, you want to use those. So you want to have your fresh, roasted coffee. I don't
1: understand with the coffee, but why is that with the flour?
0: I assume it has to do with this the degradation of the oils and the and the yeah. actual yeah. berry, right?
2: And yeah, just um those those oils, why we remove them like the germ in the first place from the flour like on conventional flour is because it will make the flour go rancid. So they want shelf life. Mm. So you're going to buy your flour from the grocery store. Like, when was that milled? How old is that wheat berry? Mm. When was it milled? How long did it sit in some sort of holding tank at that milling facility before it was packaged and sent off? Sent off? And then how long has it been on that grocery store shelf? Mm. Like, there's no integrity left in that bag. It is just white dust <laughs> that is full of, like, dough conditioners and, you know, lots of other chemicals wow. to make a beautiful loaf of whatever, right? So it's just, again looking at flour in a way that it it needs to be a basic like it's a basic essential and like let's make it and eat it as basic as possible um to get everything that we want out of it and a digestion nutrients vitamins um all of those minerals that are in there and just you know and fermented like it's just we don't need to be scared of it we just need to eat it properly
0: Mm. yeah i mean it's a real food so it's like yeah it shouldn't be self shelf stable kind of like peanut butter like I remember I was listening (laughs) to someone that was like if your peanut butter doesn't grow mold you should be concerned which I was like why why would we store peanut butter in the pantry instead of the fridge I mean a lot of people don't even eat peanut butter regardless but I think flour we're just not used to thinking of that as a like real kind of food with yeah, um, oils and things to be preserved yeah. because the stuff in the grocery store shelves takes that out yeah. for that very reason and with the unless the consumer exactly. is educated we will not know so so
1: are bags of flour no. labeled then with like mill date like hey this was milled on x date is that a thing
0: yeah just like yeah oh yeah for sure right on Yep. i mean not in the grocery store like you won't find no. a mill date at, at at like a
1: Because of course they're like we don't even they might not even know when it was (laughs) built.
2: Oh yeah, they probably don't even know where it came from. Like it's probably like a you know it's just a random facility where you know so many and that's the thing too. Like you know Farmer Joe over here and then Fred and Dennis and so on and so forth can they all ship their their grain to one facility and i mean their integrities obviously may not be the same or whatever like you just don't know what you're getting mm. but that's just the, that's the same with anything else in the grocery store right so
0: yeah there's so many comparisons single source freshly milled i mean yeah. that is so much like coffee so,
1: so we have some ideas on how to how to yes. find some some good flour uh, but what 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 um what's the I know we kind of touched on this a number of different times, but A to Z, and even if there's only two steps or whatever, what best best picture you can without looking up like video footage, which I'm guessing you can go to Better Basic Milling's Instagram page to see more of this, but what's the process of milling flour look like? What, what, is, what is that process?
2: Okay. So it is the wheat berries go into our hopper, which is like a cone-like structure on the top of our mill. And then it it agitates down into um, two big stone or granite stones that rotate. They crush the grain, Um, depending on if we're doing whole grain or sifted flours. But if we do whole grain, then it just crushes them and then comes out the front of the mill. And that would be your whole grain flour. It's 100% what went into that hopper has come out and that is your whole grain flour. which I know that you wanted to touch on versus like a whole wheat flour. Yes. So whole grain flour is the whole grain as it states. Whole wheat flour, a portion of that bran is actually removed. um, So you're not getting the same. It's not, they're not interchangeable. Um, And they do that to make a a lighter flour, but also um, for shelf stability. So anyways, that is, that's a whole grain. If we are doing the, a sifted flour, it would go through that same process, but instead of it coming out the front of the mill, it would then go along our sifters that run horizontally across the side of our mill, and it would be rotating, and um, just a portion of that flour that can fit through the sifters uh, will come out. So it goes from um, like coarsest to finest, in our sifters and then we'll rerun it back through and get a little bit more out but we test all of our flowers to make sure that what we've put in we're only extracting 20 percent of that once it's finished Hmm.
0: and it's usually like the largest portions of the flower right so you're getting like the big Mm -hmm. hunks that might not have been ground up all the way
2: yeah yeah. Yeah. So cool. it just makes a really nice, uh, silky, fine uh, flower. But if you look at it, you spread the flower out on your hand, you're seeing all that brand mm. specs in there. You know, you've seen it. Yeah. And um, it's, it's for me, it's like, oh, there's all my little babies. Mm-hmm. Like they're like, it's so comforting to see them there because you know that that's where my nutrition is, you know? you can physically see what it. what
0: do you do I'm curious if you can do anything with that 20% that you extract can you like remill that can you throw that in baked goods what can you do with that
2: yeah so I mean I bake with it um bran like it's just pure bran right so um we we do bake with it but in all honesty we we feed it to our <laughs> we feed it to our animals oh yeah
0: they, they consume it for you that's helpful
2: so, yeah food. so I mean the, we have a lot of bran, and we give some of it to our uh, one of our farmers and he feeds it to his livestock um but it's really like when you sit back and look at it and you have these totes of bran it's like it would just be like that is nutrition that people should be consuming,
1: mm-hmm. mm. yeah, so you know the whole process then are we talking like ten minutes to get it to get it through the hopper into the into the bag, or is it how long is that
2: ah uh, no, it's. It takes a while. Like it's, I'm trying to think like, you know, like a 20 kilogram bag is going to take, you know, probably 20 or 30 minutes mm. to mill. Like it's not the quickest process. You can get quicker mills than what we have. Um, but we're a very small scale mm. operation. So after that sale that we just had, you know, my miller was here. He was putting in 10 hour days, wow. just getting you know milling and bagging and then I came in and I and I literally packaged for like three days like it was just like which was awesome but it's just um it's it's a time-consuming process it's not which is good because you know it's it's not nothing is nothing that is good is quick right like it's um it's one of those things
0: yeah and you're milling to order right like you're not selling stuff that you milled months ago
2: no everything is freshly milled so i typically how we run it here is we will we will mill once or twice a week and we just do batch like batch milling right so it's um i'm not sending you out anything that is like more than a day old
0: that's incredible that's really yeah
1: that's huge 20 i mean 20 minutes even if it's 30 minutes i feel like it sounds pretty quick. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I was I was envisioning initially that... She said
0: for one bag of, like, that's not, like, going to supply her whole day. No,
1: no, no, no. I wasn't thinking that. I was just thinking, like, the process of running through the hopper into the bag, you know, that being a 20, 30 minutes didn't sound terrible. I mean, I'm sure they're running the meal all day long. We should go do it. I would love to try
0: yeah. it. Yeah, when you come hunting elk, <laughs> I'm going to put you to work here in the mill. <laughs> I'm Honestly, in. I'm in. a trip to Canada where I can mill fresh flour and Joey can shoot an elk. Obviously, we'd eat oh, it. Oh, yeah. Don't get any haters on here. If we can hunt an elk and get some fresh flour.
1: Harvesting elk. That would be me and
0: Joey's dream trip right there. Oh, wow. yeah. yeah. Well, Wade would be more than happy to take you. He
2: took me elk hunting last year. Just um, We went bow hunting literally 10 minutes down the road from us. And there was, it was mildly terrifying because it was almost dark and there was elk, like literally, you know, like hitting antlers and, you know, where there was like three of them. We were calling them in, they were coming from all direction and oh it was, it was wild. I was like, okay, this sounds dangerous. Let's go
0: home now. (laughs) Did you get one?
2: (laughs) Well, it was right at dark, like, you know, the sun was just going down And we shot, or he shot his bow, and we thought we had hit one, but by the time, like, they were kind of off into the distance, and we're like, well, we should start walking over and seeing, and then it was dark, Mm -hmm. and then you could just hear them, like, hitting their antlers against each other or whatever, so then we ran back and got the truck, and then when we shone the light out, we didn't hit anybody, but any of them, but there was, there had to been at least 40 of them out there, (gasps) plus deer everywhere.
0: What? Was this just on, like... Yeah. wild land or where was this
2: it was it was just on some on farmland down the road from us wow. where we like ride our horses and stuff like it was crazy
0: that's wild joey just got into bow hunting he just bought a bow he's been shooting at a target in our backyard every single I saw that. day he loves it it's his new <laughs> life's passion and i think it's i think it's nice because you can't i mean he's been gun hunting for what what'd you say 17 years yeah or 14 long, years long time yeah and uh, he has a crossbow so he's used that but nothing is like a you know legit robin hood bow i guess it's a yeah not really robin hood but um yeah we're always a big fan of anything wild game when we don't have to go to a grocery store to get our meat and we can be self-sustainable in that regard
1: well that's beautiful yeah any kind of craft wade loves
0: to elk hunt
1: any kind of craft like that gets me hyped so you feel like hunting is a craft (laughs)
0: for you oh yeah absolutely interesting yeah oh my gosh i never heard it painted like that is hunting is hunting popular there um in the midwest yeah i would say like in ohio indiana new york um i mean i guess down south you can hunt like wild boar and things here obviously it's deer hunting Mm. we do some squirrel hunting um yeah i mean i think there's still like a little bit of a it just depends on if you grew up around it or not. I think some people are cool with yeah. you going to buy like a cellophane-wrapped chicken breast at the store, but if you say like you hunted a moose, they'd be like, "Oh, what a stoic yeah. creature." And it's like, you know how much that yeah. nourished and fed our family and that moose lived oh, the most incredible life in Newfoundland eating like blackberries all day. Not not to
1: mention the <sighs> right. best way for an animal to die is at the hands of a hunter. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just think about the way that they're they're gonna die otherwise:
0: starvation, attack yeah. by another animal, uh, like, sickness, yeah, sickness, old age, old
1: age. Like old age typically yeah. ends by getting like what, like eaten alive, right? Or or you know you're, <laughs> yeah. you're weak because you've got injured because you fell down or something like then you know again eaten yeah. alive, or you know you're walking along, lived a good life, and you know instantaneously you're you're done, taken so, like, out. Yeah. Anyways, sorry um agreed the 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 the, um (laughs) um, so so we kind of we we kind of got into the milling process we talked about shopping we've talked about criteria Mm -hmm. for the farmers that we're looking into we've talked about some home milling stuff i'm I'm just curious because as you're kind of getting this this business off the ground early stage i know i know i'm kind of zipping back a little bit here um what were Mm -hmm. what were some of the the early challenges that you encountered when you were uh getting this getting better basics milling off the ground
2: there was a lot. (laughs) I felt there was a lot of times where, you know, when you have this gut feeling and you, you know, that you have passion behind it, but you know, you always feel that like imposter syndrome, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, I felt a lot of that. Like there was a lot of anxieties behind like starting an Instagram account. Like, will our, will people like our flower? Will, you know, is this like Is this a thing that is, like, is there a need for this? Um, You know, I feel like sometimes I live in my own little bubble and I think the way that, like, I live my life is normal and people are like, whoa, like, you live, like, in the 1900s, you know? (laughs) So um, the way you eat and raise your kids and so on and so forth. But there was a lot of that going on in my own head and then just the troubles of trying to get packaging during a pandemic and then trying to um you know source farmers and how we, how are you going to financially how are we going to fund this you know um where are we going to get the time to do this there is a lot and i mean there still is every day there's something new that um you know that you're we're rocking our brain on on how what are we doing mm. like what are we doing
0: and you're sitting <laughs> but you're sitting in your mill room right now is that attached to your house or is that like a facility you had to go rent
2: <clears> what is what would that no so it is it's attached to our house so um we it was really important to me um to have our facility on our property um because i didn't want to be away from my kids and as a homeschooling mom um, it was important. Like, I didn't know what this was going to look like. I didn't know how many hours I was going to be putting in. Um, and like what, like, I didn't know what I was doing. I'll be honest with you. Like, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. So for me, I was like, I need to be able to walk from my house into my, (laughs) into my mill. Um, and it not be an issue. But as this grows, like, we're really going to have to start considering what, what this looks like like a new outbuilding um a new property a different facility but it will always be um with us Mm -hmm. because that's important because our kids also they see that they see that hard work they see the process it gives them appreciation um for the food and and it's important to us so that was like number one so yes it's attached to our home
0: Mm, i love that i love that you intentionally made the decision to keep it close so you could still be with your kids homeschool yeah i'm sure you've had many a time where it's like late at night and you're like i gotta go to the mill room and do some work so oh yeah yeah totally grinding it out especially i did not know i will say i did not know that you were like two three years into this thing like i thought because of your instagram and just your flower and your packaging i love it all walking into you for the first time you feel like a very established mill company which I'm sure is exactly what like you want but I think that's incredible that you've accomplished everything in this time frame because I'm even thinking like well you you gathered all these supplies and you hit the ground running and you've so far done a fantastic job so I hope you feel encouraged in that thank you we actually
2: opened our doors we went live November 30th so we've been no in way. it only in it like six months or whatever, seven months or whatever that is. Yeah. So I mean it's That's been my birthday, in the works.
0: By
2: the way. Oh, well, there you go. I I opened <laughs> it just for you. Happy <laughs> birthday. Happy yeah, birthday so, to you. Thank you.
0: So it was in the works before and then you were able you were able to launch your shop and then bam, you've just been rocking and rolling yeah. ever since.
2: That's yeah. Awesome. So I mean we Wade and I were talking about this last night, like what do we, what's next? Like, where do we go from here? And, and I think that we, well, we just don't know, right? Because it's, we're organically growing. I'm very impatient. Um, and I just like always want to be able to see the next step and it's not clear to me right now. And, you know, some, and he's great at reminding me being like, honey, you've been in this for six months or whatever it is, or eight months. And he's like, and you're, and it's rocking. Like people are picking up, catching on and, you know, um, you set out to inspire and educate and that's what you're doing. So just like be calm and patient and, and what will be, will be right. So, Mm. so it's exciting to see what, what will come. Yeah,
1: right on. So, hey, we're we're where the business is today is that you're you're cranking it out and sales are growing. You're you're trying to probably figure out operations, right? Like who's who's going <laughs> to yes. be you know man in the mill? Who's packaging this up? You know, should we be looking to other properties? And uh, what I would say is is that there's there's this this constant thing in business, and and um, you've already experienced it, I'm sure. Um, it's it's like this with family too, right? but in some of these grindy phases it's so easy to to be so excited about the next phase which can also feel sometimes grindy but then you look back and you're like man those are the good old days yeah and yeah um man it, it is so hard and you're working your 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 tail off and and you're doing yeah. so many awesome things and you're, you're putting real food into people's hands which is such fulfilling work and um that's that's uh I'm a huge fan, big, big uh better basics milling and Alyssa fan and Wayne, he sounds great. Wade. I feel like um, Wade. <laughs> I feel like you guys are Wade, sorry, you guys you guys are getting after it. Um Alyssa, what uh what are you learning today? So obviously you're learning lessons I'm sure within the business, but you know, when it as it relates to just real food and the ways you're providing for your family, um, you know, what what are you learning today?
2: I feel like every day I'm trying to learn something new. Our focus obviously in our business is to expand into different grains and flowers. Mm. Um, so that's something that I've been putting a lot of time and effort in too. Um, but on the, you know, in our personal lives, um, we are focusing more on like homestead stuff. Mm. So I want to, my goal is to learn all I can, um, to be as self-sufficient as possible. And that is something that is a big goal of mine and Wade's, um, and just be able to produce and store food properly and that. So I'm really into that right now. Um, and just collecting animals and you know, the whole, the whole thing. So that's something that, um, that's something that we're really passionate about and trying to teach our kids. And every year we learn something new. Our garden grows, um, it seems. It's now like a half acre. Um, <laughs> our animals keep collecting. And um, and, and people are like, why do you grow so much food? And it's like, because then we can give it away. Like mm. a seed costs us nothing, you know? So, and you can just nourish other families. And then once you do that, it inspires them to have their own garden. Yeah. So it's really something that... Um that that I'm I'm learning. I learn a lot from Wade, but obviously different Instagram accounts. I just love following people who love to like preserve and like homestead and stuff like that. So that's like my big like personal passion other than my mill. Um but I think they're very much tied together because it's all about just like living a traditional type of lifestyle and and nourishment and and stuff like that. So
1: when did the the homestead get started? When when did when did you kinda get to the property that you're at now? when did you get your first animal when was that
2: yeah so it started in 2014 we moved here um and I think maybe it was the following year that we actually put in a garden and then that just slowly grew and then Wade was like we should get chickens and I'm like no we're not getting chickens and then then we had chickens and then and then the chickens went from like you know five chickens to like 25 chickens to I think at one point we had like 60 chickens oh um and then we had a couple like fox encounters mm. that uh, wiped out our chickens those were all laying hens um and then we just kept replenishing and incubating and then getting different types of chickens and then it kind of became like a thing now they're just a staple um and then we started meat birds um so we would could stock our freezer this winter with chicken um, and that this year is our first year for that. And we also um, have two pigs that we will butcher in the fall. So to stock our fridge again. So we kind of try to like Wade does like a fishing trip. Uh, He just got back um, from a fishing trip and he does like the halibut and salmon Mm. and all that stuff. So we get a little bit of that and then he hunts um, in the fall so we usually have elk, and we bought like half. I think we bought a full cow. Then we have two pigs and all these meat birds. So we're pretty much stocked in the meat department. Yeah. And then we preserve a bunch. Like out of our garden, we have a ton of food there. So we have a pretty rock and cold room. Come like fall.
1: What kind of and, meat birds? Um, we, what kind of meat birds we got on the on the property?
2: Uh, it's a good question. I'm trying to think what they're called now. I don't know. That's a Wade thing. Like what type he's the of one chicken?
0: Who, uh, yeah, are me? they chickens? Yeah, chickens. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, Got sorry. It. Chickens. Were you thinking like pheasant? I or... don't know.
1: I was like, maybe it's, you know, ducks or pheasants oh, yeah. or turkeys. I, I no, I no, know. chickens.
2: Yeah. And then my we nonsense. have a horse and he's just, he he was uh, a Christmas gift to me this year. So he's he's my old boy. He's like 20 years old and he's a real delight. So he's we beautiful. love
0: him too. <laughs> he's beautiful though. Thank you. I feel like he's like, I think so too. Yeah, and he's like the star of the show
1: what what, mm-hmm. what how much are the kids how much are your kids getting involved in all the homestead work i mean i'm, I'm guessing yeah some right
2: a lot <laughs> so my 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 girls are actually at camp right now and let me tell you i'm feeling it because i have to do all their chores um <laughs> in the morning <clears throat> yeah so i'm i'm out there feeding you know the chickens Collecting the eggs. And mm. we've got one hen there that likes to sit on the eggs. So it's like a battle royale with her every morning. <laughs> and then, and then you know, going in into the pigs to feed them. They're rambunctious group. Um, and then hauling water down to, to our meat chickens and stuff like that. So it's like, you know, a good 30 minutes of me feeding animals in the morning. Um, and then the horses too. So the girls actually do that. They're on like a rotation where mm. one of them does the what we call chicken so they do all the outdoor feeding twice a day and collect all the eggs and wash all the eggs so that they can sell them and then the other one does kitchen so that's clean up after the meals dishwasher unload the dishwasher and stuff so they're on a rotation every day mm. um and then the little guys just help like my littlest Bodhi he helps me feed the horses mm-hmm. and do all their grain and powders and all that stuff in the morning and stuff so they're they're very involved and then in the garden they're little weed pickers they've got the perfect size fingers to get totally. <laughs>
0: that dexterity is on point don't you feel like totally don't you feel like I think it would be really easy to look at you from the outside and say, okay, she's got five kids in her house. She's running a mill business. She's on property. She has all these animals. um, Like that's a lot on you. But I, I like that you, your kids are part of it. And what I was going to ask is like, don't you feel like that's a necessity? Like you, I feel like kids are not a hindrance to our goals in our life. They are actually helping us work towards them and you would have to have your kids help you in that process like you there's no way that you could entertain your children and then also go out and do your work like you basically are just like no we're a family we're working on this together this is what we do yeah you have to be a part of this like there's there's no question in my mind that when people are like how do you do it all you say i have a really large family that's my asset Mm -hmm. it's not my liability yeah you know, so I, I like that you were totally. like, I'm feeling the pain of them being at camp right now because they really <laughs> yeah. do contribute. And I think that yeah. that's beautiful. Yeah,
2: I get I get that yeah. question a lot. How do you do it? How do you do it all? And I say I don't I don't do it all and yes. <laughs> I don't always do everything great, Um, but I try my best and um, there's definitely days where there's a lot of stress and, you know, the kids, kids will be kids. Right. And, but they're like, my kids are really helpful. Um, and everybody has to chip in. And I, I make that very clear to them that without you and without your help, like this, this show does not go on. So we need you here. Mm. So they feel important and they, it's not just a chore for them. Right. Um, where I'm sure some, most days it does feel like a chore, but it, it to me, it's like, you are a necessity to me. I need, like I love you, you're my child, but I need your help.
0: Mm. Yeah, and they have or we just
2: can't do we just can't do this.
0: Yeah, they have <clears> that <throat> greater sense of purpose and some identity wrapped into that too. And I think that can actually be Absolutely. really helpful for them in the future.
1: Any yeah. any animals on the horizon for the homestead?
2: <laughs> Wade is set on getting a goat, but I think that they're a little too sassy for me. Mm. Um <laughs> and they'll eat he's like it's a it's a lawnmower I'm like yeah it's also a house eater and like you know they'll eat anything My anything gosh. you put in front of them so <clears throat> I don't know we have dreams of um owning like a proper farm and you know because right now we're on like a four acre parcel and we're quickly outgrowing um that <laughs> so but you know I think that honestly the the animals could be endless mm. If I was to be honest what, with you.
0: What an answer. That's Just awesome. endless possibilities I, of animals. Endless. I had a moose drinking
2: out of my pool this spring. So. No. Maybe a pet moose.
0: <laughs> Just kidding. I don't think people realize how large moose are. Like Joey was trying to oh, explain yeah. to me after he went hunting. And like we would YouTube it a little bit. Uh, it's like two horses stacked on top of each other. I mean, they're just giant. they're cr- they're crazy. They're insane. And he was
2: a he was a baby moose too, yeah. and like he was still big. And I was from me, like I was like two meters away from him. And I'm like, get out of my pool! And he was just looking at me, being like, No, I'm going to drink this. I'm, <laughs>
1: I'm good. thirsty. Oh, they're they I'm look thirsty. so out of place. Is <laughs> yeah. the way I explain it to people. I'm like, How yeah. are you surviving in the wild?
0: Yeah, it's like a dinosaur. They're it's like a... giant. I mean, oh, they're... they're so weird. The target. I wish we had moose here, but we don't.
1: No moose. We have squirrels. Oh yeah.
2: Moose is a big moose are a big thing where I'm where I'm from. It's like when you when we were driving as teenagers, it wouldn't be like, don't drink and drive, of course, that would just be a normal thing. It'd be like watch for moose. You know totally. <laughs> like everything was watch for moose because there were so many accidents every year of people hitting moose. Um, you know, they're just crazy and they just run across the road at you
0: (laughs) that would have to obliterate your car because a deer does significant damage and a deer and a moose are not even comparable no they're they're gone
2: yeah (laughs) you have
0: no luck if you had a (laughs)
2: moose wow
1: right on this has been fantastic any anything else on on the homestead anything that maybe we didn't touch on that you wanted to get 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 into whether it be um milling flour um Getting into you know your business and stuff that you've worked on, things that someone's starting a business that you would warn them about, or um, all the way to to uh, you know dealing with uh, dealing with um, having a homestead and, and having your kids help out. Anything anything that we didn't touch on?
2: Um, I would say to anybody because I get this question a lot. Um, how did you start like this homesteading you know lifestyle? And, and I just always say to somebody like pick something and just do it, um, because it's a snowball effect and you'll love it and you'll love the satisfaction that you get from it. Um, and then it will just grow from there. So just start. Mm. And then on the, you know, real food journey, um, lifestyle. And when it comes to flour, like I always say to people, you know, People want to know where their produce comes from, so they go to a, you know a farmer's market, and they want to know um, if their beef is grass fed and grass finished. Um, you know they want to know that their fish is wild caught and antibiotic free and all the things, but nobody seems to care about where their flour comes from. Mm. And it's a huge staple in everybody's pantry. And if you haven't put any thought into it um, before now, I hope that this conversation helps you because it does matter. Mm. It does matter um, how it's prepared. It does matter where the grain came from and um, how you consume it. So um, I hope that was just helpful for everybody and cleared some stuff up if you had any questions. Yeah, I
0: think that statement alone is like the whole podcast, right? It matters where your flower comes from and that's exactly yeah. why we wanted to have you on. And so um, if people want to find more of you, I know th- this is... Um... So
1: yeah, we're, we're, we've, we've got you on the Instagram, you're gramming and it's mm-hmm. we've got uh, <laughs> better basics milling. That's better.basics.milling. Handle. I said too much, Elizabeth. Which we
0: will link in the show notes. You always repeat the handle a couple times. I'm like, we'll just put it at the show.
1: (laughs) You know what? And if people like (laughs) it that I repeated a few times, we'd love to hear about it. Just to you know, prove (laughs) prove myself right. It's a real debate, you guys. It's a real (laughs) arguing before Uh, we hit record about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can also be found on on Facebook, right? And it's the at Better Basics Milling. Same thing on Facebook. You've got a website. This is on this website. Correct me if I'm wrong. We can buy your flower mm-hmm. on said website. Okay, it's shipped yes. in 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 okay. the states here in the U S. and also Canada, where Alyssa yep. and Better Basics Milling is uh, located. Uh, this website is betterbasicsmilling.com. Uh, you can hop on you there, bet. find yourself some some awesome flower of different varieties. She's, you know, it sounds like she's got some other ones kind of coming up in the hopper, if mm-hmm. I do say so. You know, no pun intended. <laughs> Look um, at you go. <laughs> we've got, we've got some flat rate shipping for that, right? So we're we're talking 12 bucks um, anywhere in Canada, US. Is that, is that true? Yeah. That's pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah, i lo- love to hear that.
0: Especially with flower because it's so heavy. It, it is more expensive to ship typically. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so that's actually a new, um, situation i think if you've gone on better basics before and you've tried to order i would go back again because it's 12 dollar flat rate for anywhere in the u.s and that's a great price i mean anytime you're sourcing flour every flour miller because i like to buy from the miller Mm. every time you pay shipping Mm -hmm. i mean it's it's not the amazon right like we can't get two-day shipping no 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 cost so Mm -hmm. um yeah and and then i think uh you were gonna offer um a discount of a homegrown 15 for 15 percent off um your order yeah, which yep. is super generous of you i think that that's you know the extra little nudge if if folks need it to try out Alyssa's flower i think that that's we use it yes oh i have a pantry I I say, it. and you're shipping another box to my door i think shortly i was surprised because i yeah. fly through Damn. it so often
1: by all the the words you're using typically these interviews happen and i'm just like i don't but this, I was like, man, red, <laughs> red Fife. I was like, I've seen that.
0: Because every time he goes to bake cookies or something, he's like, I don't know what flour to use. And I'm hey, like, the Red yeah. we're fife, learning. it says all purpose on it, but he's expecting like the bright white all purpose flour. And I'm like, no, no, right, no. This right. is all purpose. Meaning, for all purposes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, it's true. I just, you know, I so went, we're I, slowly educating.
1: I'm getting there. Right. We're doing it. We're... I
0: will say I'll be really one step at a time. <laughs> I know. I'll be really transparent and say I have a lot of flowers that I like because I, I like to get a lot of different varieties. I just blow mm-hmm. through Alyssa's flower. Like, I will use hers faster than, and I'll still have other people's that, like, is a little bit older. I probably should have used up already, but I'm just like, I like your flower texture. I like the consistency. Thank you. I like the flavor. I like how it makes my stuff turn out. Um. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of Better Basics, so...
1: Right on. So that's go it. get yourself some Better Basics milling. Go, they got flour on their website, which again is betterbasicsmilling.com dot com. You couldn't stop me. Anyways, so the the um, um, the anything else we've missed? We got your socials. We got your website. We've got the Homegrown fifteen. That's to to grab yourself that fifteen percent off. Uh, we got the shipping. Is there anything we're forgetting?
0: No, oh, I think that's it. Alyssa, this ah, has been awesome. Um, yeah thanks guys yeah thank you for coming on because it is a trick it is a tricky topic to tackle I think your story is empowering and yeah. inspirational and it's exactly what this podcast is all about so I know for me this has been really awesome. fun I feel like I've gotten to know you even a little bit better and I can't yeah. wait for folks to listen in
1: yeah me too and' yeah, looking forward to to seeing some this September I don't know what the season is for you guys but um, some pictures of what you were and Wade's elk endeavors look like. Ooh, yeah, um, yeah. I'll follow- I'll I will, will text you. I'll following along, so, <laughs> yes, please do. Um, right on. Thank you so <laughs> cool. much, Alyssa, and and I'm sure we'll be talking to you very soon.
0: Oh yeah. Okay. Thanks, guys. See ya.
1: And with that, Alyssa of Better Basics Milling has left the virtual chat. Yes. What do you got?
0: takeaways from that conversation. Um, you know, I, I did not know all of that background with her kids. And I Mm. think, first of all, really vulnerable for her to share that really appreciate her, um, authenticity and her story sharing. And I just think that I will never tire of hearing people's like triumph stories. Mm -hmm. And you, even though people, like I said earlier, like I hate that I've heard this story a lot, this theme a lot because so many people have suffered and walked, walked this path of like food intolerances or issues with gut dysbiosis or like weird diagnoses in your family. And it mm-hmm. is, uh, it rips you apart. It's heartbreaking. Um, but I think sharing stories is possibly one of the most powerful things we can do with each other. I think it's therapeutic. I think it's informational and I just like that it, it brought us right back to one of my very favorite ingredients and that's flour. Mm. I mean, I, I've, I've been a big believer in food freedom, you know, that and mm. flour's usually the number one to get nixed in the diet. And so mm. I just like that we got to have a conversation about, hey, it does matter where your stuff comes from and how it is treated and how it's grown and how it's milled. And um, yeah, so I mean, high level, I think it, I just thoroughly enjoyed the conversation through and through.
1: I did. I did as well, and and I mean, for me, even just learning a little bit more about the different forms of flower, the things I can be looking for, the the way to understand that red fife is probably a crop. I I know it sounds nuts. I just these kinds of things I'm learning today. Yeah. And I'm gonna guess that if I'm in this world as much as I am, which I feel like it's a lot. I mean, you're I do this to podcast. Me, so. you're married, yeah and if i didn't know that then there's probably some people out out there that that also don't know that mm-hmm. so um cheers to me helping be the voice of i don't know, ignorance the newbie. the newbie? i don't know ignorance it's feels not ignorance. rude but um we we novices we we need to start from the beginning cuz a lot of this stuff can become pretty overwhelming and so um right on I, that 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 for me was really educational i enjoyed it i feel empowered to go home and pick flour for the next time i make waffles for Ruth you know so,
0: which one to make which I know one, to which pick. one. Mm-hmm. I do
1: I feel like I feel better about knowing which one to use <laughs> anyways we, we, we believe here at at homegrown the homegrown podcast that you are currently listening to that food education is one of the key ingredients to food freedom and education can be found in a number of ways one of which is listening to this podcast if you enjoyed it, if you love listening to this podcast, you know, give us a review. Mm,
0: that would be nice. That's
1: interesting. We love hearing all the people that uh, don't like how I speak. It's cool, you know. <laughs> They've got some fair points. Uh, <laughs> now, if, if if you want to support the podcast, some of the ways to do that: give us a review. This is a free podcast. Uh, keep listening. That's that that uh, keeps us excited. Keeps us. Doing, what we're doing so we can kind of keep churning out some more awesome interviews like we had today with Alyssa for all of you all. It's also good for me, as I just talked about, because I like to learn myself. We also have some resources that help aid said education for said food freedom. Mm -hmm. Those resources can be found on homegrowneducation.org. You can go on there to find yourself a homeschool curriculum for your kids. You can go on there to find yourself a real food guide for yourself. You can also go on there to find what's for dinner, which is a six week meal plan, recipes, shopping lists, you name it. Mm -hmm. Uh, What else we got?
0: Um, Well, we just launched a coloring book, which I'm really excited about because Mm. we basically feature 16 farms, homesteads and growing spaces across the U.S. Mm. who are raising food with integrity. So you've got your big names on there like Polyface Farm and Spence Farm Mm. and um, Apricot Lanes. You know, some of these are mentioned and like have big documentaries around them. Some of them are just... Um, beautiful farms and homesteads that I've just gr- grown to know and love and like sort of form relationships with over the internet. So I just wanted to compile those and create a resource where kids were not only, you know, coloring and being creative in that sense, but also maybe learning something about how f- their food is grown and where it's grown. And, um, you know, one of my favorite little excerpts of that book is. Um, Talking about how one particular farm utilizes everything. And so they take, um, you know, the wool from the sheep and they insulate the beehives and then, you know, they let the chickens run through the pig pasture um, and eat out all the fly larvae so their Mm. animals aren't overrun with flies. It just painted a beautiful picture of regenerative farming and its simplicity Mm. and its intricacy. (laughs) Yes, intricacy it's a hard word um and so i love that it's called grow we just launched last week we're growing it, we're growing but the the coloring book is called grow and and mm. the subtitles like let the let the good things grow because we just want to celebrate those mm. families that are represented in that book and so whether it's a coloring book or a nutrition curriculum or a meal plan or any other future resource that we basically are just looking for gaps especially in parenting when it comes around food, how can we step in and fill those gaps? Um, That's our main goal. And like, we want to see folks become nourished families. um, And if there's any way we can equip you to do that, whether it's a free podcast or a $30 curriculum that shapes the way your kid Mm. needs food. I don't, I don't care personally. I just want to see folks on mission towards a better, you know, health and planet um, for all involved. So, totally
1: hey another shout out to Alyssa she's the bomb yeah she was awesome she she she's a you know savage out there getting after it both in the homestead but also her business Mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff just kind of keeps me in the game too right there's some inspiration there with someone else that's that's um running a business taking care of her family having a homestead growing a garden I'm sure her garden's better than ours Mm -hmm. I just have a feeling, especially if there's moose drinking out of her pool. It's just like there's just good stuff what going on What a great there.
0: picture of your house, yeah.
1: And uh, super jealous that they have property that's like just in their you know, walking distance to go on elk. Yeah. Like, what? That's Maybe someday. Jeez. Anyways, um, if you wanted to hear more from either myself or Elizabeth, Liz, um, we're also on the Grams. You can find us on Instagram.
0: Why'd you say? That? I don't know. I just At it, homegrown underscore education. I just can, gonna go ahead and do that. That's where you can find up. you
1: can find Elizabeth at homegrown underscore education. And you can find me at Joey Hazelmeyer. I was able to get my name just Joey Hazelmeyer. Oh but uh, you know, we got the underscore in there for homegrown. So anyways.
0: Until next Until time. Until next time.
1: <laughs> that's a right. We should probably
0: check on the garden.